Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are live. Welcome to The Process. It is Sunday, December 31st, the final process of 2023. We wake up tomorrow morning and we don't do a process because I am not going to wake up uh, and do a 6.30 a.m. show on New Year's Day. That's insane. <laughs> I'm going to be tired. That will ruin my week. So I will see you guys on Tuesday for the first process of 2024. But I want to let you know. You're only getting a strategy show out of me tomorrow. No way I'm staying up to watch a ball drop at midnight and then waking up at 5 o'clock again. That will ruin my week. But I will love to see you guys for 2024. I hope you all have a fantastic New Year's Eve. Be safe. No drinking and driving, folks. You don't need to do that kind of stuff anymore. You didn't need to do it ever, but you really don't need to do it anymore. Uh, hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Follow me on Twitter. At Josh Engelman. Oh, we got five games to break down. We'll zip through most of it. I've already done the projections. So we're just going to sort of analyze the slate and then run some crunches. We've got a big day of NFL coverage coming up for the rest of today. 10 a.m. You get our NFL live coverage kicking off, taking you all the way until one. I believe everything that I just said is true there. Uh, let's go ahead and double check. Yes, 10 a.m. start for Laffy and Ben. 11.30 start for Eric and Matt Gajeski. Time to talk. Kenny Wayne, you got it right here. Stephen Lee Woods, you got it right here. I'll put it up on the screen quickly. 
either one, both of them up there. What do I think about the Knicks and Raptors trade? Interesting trade. So I feel like this kind of happens to me like semi-regularly. The trade news dropped like the moment I walked out the door. I was home and I would have been down to like really start tweeting about it and getting my thoughts out. We just walked out the door to go get lunch. So I basically just ignored everything that was happening while it was happening. Uh, my first glance thoughts at it are, as a whole, I think the Knicks came out a bit better than the Raptors did. I think just simply turning a starter in RJ Barrett into OG Ananobi is a massive victory. You are simply just upgrading at a position that needed a significant upgrade. Now, RJ Barrett is young, but it's a big-time upgrade to get a guy that is a no-doubt-about-it can play 40 minutes in a real playoff game if you need to. It's an upgrade. It's giant. Defensively, amazing. Offensively, good enough. Um you know, whatever whatever you get out of him offensively is going to be a bonus. But defensively, exceptional. It was a 10-win guy last year. That's a $40 million player. A um, little bit behind the pace for that this year, although the, shoot, the rim numbers and everything have been fine. I'm anxious to see what it looks like in New York. So that piece right there, love it for the Knicks. The problem for the Knicks is the rest of the Knicks. I think that it's hard to evaluate like it's hard to evaluate the Knicks side knowing that they weren't using quickly the way that like the consensus says. So I think quickly's great. And I think he's going to go to Toronto and we're going to see him be able to take on, you know, 30 minutes a night or more. And we're going to learn a lot. And I think that's going to be a good thing for Toronto. And I think that they'll probably be able to get quickly at a decent deal as an extension. Um, but as we look at the Knicks, like losing quickly is massive. But because of the way that the Knicks were using quickly already, it doesn't affect their team as much as it seems like it would it should have it just doesn't and i don't know if that like i don't know how to reconcile that should i give the knicks credit for making an upgrade with a thing they didn't use much if i think that that thing is good that's an interesting balance they still have all the picks left so they can make another move the problem for me for the knicks is julius randall i like they went ahead and got OG Ananobi, which makes them a better team. They're still a team that has no chance to do anything as presently constituted. They have no chance to do anything this year as presently constituted. And I don't think they have any chance to do anything at all without removing Julius Randle from the equation. But if this is just a shuffling of the deck chairs and they didn't really lose any future draft capital, totally cool with me on the Knicks side. I would do the deal if I were New York without question and you get precious Achua back which honestly for the rest of the next season is is really important um you can go to a 48 minute split however you want of hartenstein and Achua now 
and feel pretty good. Achua is just going to be a, a better option than Jericho Sims was. So you fill in behind Mitchell Robinson. Uh, and and I think, like, you know, you would like Mitchell Robinson to have been there. But now that that is sailed and he's going to be gone for the year, I like the Achua fill-in on the backside. Malachi Flynn doesn't really matter. On the Raptors side, I always assume they would go a different direction when they would offload OG Ananobi. Um, they didn't. But the idea of cashing in and turning him into quickly and extending a 24-year-old quickly at the end of the year, like, I like that idea a lot. It really informs what they do then with, you know, Siakam moving forward. But, I mean, last year, quickly, 29 minutes a game, 20% usage, positive EPM offensively and defensively, an eight-win player. That's a $35 million dude coming off of last year. 58% true shooting is a little bit over league average. I wouldn't say that the spacing and situation on the Knicks is an advantageous offensive environment for quickly. Not that it's going to be much more in Toronto, but like to see him shoot, call him like a 38% three-point shooter, 37% three-point shooter. That all seems fine to me. He's like 65th, 70th percentile assist rate. Looks great. Doesn't turn the ball over all that frequently. I liked turning Ananobi into quickly. So I don't hate that all that much. And then we get to the RJ Barrett piece, which if you think he stays, great. If you think that they can rehabilitate him, great. Obviously, everybody's going to like jerk themselves to the fact that RJ Barrett is Canadian and that's somehow going to like make him better at basketball as if you don't play 41 of your games outside of Canada the same way you play them the rest of the season. So that's been interesting. Look, Barrett just hasn't been able to be a different player ever. Like he's the same dude every year of his career. Like he's right around zero to negative 0.5 offensive EPM. He's right around zero defensive EPM. 26% usage at pretty negative efficiency, but like enough that like in that mid to low 50th or like 50% rate that you can see, like if he can start finishing at the rim, like 53% at the rim this year, 57 last year, but 57% at the rim is 25th percentile. Like he can, you know, 32% from three. You can see this spot where he becomes league average there and you start to see what RJ Barrett can be. I want to remind everybody, RJ Barrett is 23. Like, He's been in the league since 2020. He's pretty healthy all the time, but he's still incredibly young. He fits that model of like Raptors length type dude. He just hasn't been anything you want him to be. 83% from the line. Like there's a shooter in here somewhere that just, it doesn't come through, but he doesn't do anything else. And that's where it really starts to get problematic. This is the piece of the trade for Toronto that I think is a bit of a problem. Because I feel like they should have been able to get a first to cover R.J. Barrett's salary. And this is the only piece of the deal that I think ended up being a miss. $25.8 next year. 
27-7 in 25, 29-6 in 26. There's no uh, optionality or anything on a Barrett's contract. He's got three years and 100 million left, or three years and 90 million, or 25, 85, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Three years, 80 plus million left on Barrett's deal. He has not been that guy in his career. That is an overpay. Now, you want to say that you think that he'll be better and more worth that contract. That's fine. But for Toronto to take that on, I'm surprised they didn't get a little bit more draft capital to eat that. Toronto gave up the better player in Ananobi. Now, you can quibble there. Neither one of them has contract value. Ananobi needs a, a, a new contract. Um, quickly needs a new contract. Toronto has to eat that R.J. Barrett deal. And I think that's where the only place where this came in light. And it's why I like the deal a little bit less for the Raptors, even though I do see quickly as an outstanding piece. And I see the benefit of trying to make R.J. Barrett be a little bit better. But whether that was a more power, like a, a protected first, like you're not, you weren't going to get a premium first here. You can't get a first that's going to be, that ever has an opportunity to be in the lottery. But I think the Raptors missed out on a little bit of draft capital to offset what could be a, a decent chunk of overpay to R.J. Barrett. But I like to trade for both teams. I, I like I like testing out quickly as your Fred Van Vliet replacement. Um, it seems like they were pretty over the Dennis Schroeder deal already since they already moved him out of the... Maybe they did that just to prep for this deal coming down the, the pike, but... I don't know. I like the deal for both teams. I like the I, I like the deal for both teams. It makes the Knicks ceiling better, but they will be blocked out to anything good until they can not have Julius Randle on the team. Julius Randle is just not a 16 game player. He's an 82 game player, and that's fine. That's fine. I don't want to underrepresent what Julius Randle is. He's just not that dude in the playoffs. He doesn't have that kind of skill set. How they get to their next step and what they do with their, um, with their draft capital still, because we've got Randle kind of on an expiring next year. So he is 27 at like, Julius Randle is paid like R.J. Barrett. Let's just put that out there right now. At least in the regular season, Julius Randle laps R.J. Barrett. Like, Julius Randle is worth his contract. I just don't think he helps you win playoff games. Those are two different things. I think Julius Randle is underpaid to properly paid. But I don't think he's the helpful thing you want. R.J. Barrett is overpaid and but could be the right kind of guy if that skill set that he has becomes what you want it to be. $27.5 million a year for Randall next year. And then a player option in the following year for 29.5. I assume he declines that player option. Doesn't seem like, like you, you, would, you would want him to extend off of it. If they can get rid of Randall along with their draft capital and turn him into something that fits a playoff scenario better, that's where you bear the fruit of OG Ananobi. 
how you do that, your guess is as good as mine. Like, I don't want, I don't mean this as a real trade, but the system that I would want here, like, I don't like Randall's skill set, but if you put him at the four on the Pacers alongside Miles Turner as a stretch five, then you start getting that to work a little bit more. Now, I don't, I wouldn't want to do that if I were Indiana, but that's the kind of situation I'm looking for. Like, would you want, if you're the Spurs, would that be helpful or does that, would that be bad for Victor Wembenyama? Like, if you just want to be, be like more respectable for the first two or three years of Wemby and then you don't have Julius Randle once he's like 32 or 33, I could see that. Something in that vein. Well, for now, we're going to talk about today's slate. But I wanted to get my thoughts on the trade out of there. So hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, notification bell, all that good stuff. Let us work our way through every single bit of today's slate. And I'm going to do it by going like this. Woo. Let's check out the games. Reminder, I have all of this already projected out. So let's break down in this slate. Uh, let's start it off. Los Angeles Lakers, 6 point underdogs in new orleans 230 total lakers on a back-to-back -back. now i think the easiest way to talk about this game is like this the pelicans and the lakers are a bit closer than a six-point line implies it's up now to six and a half feels like we're not getting one of anthony davis or lebron james in this game i think this line would be more like three and a half or four if they were both in, maybe this is just the ambiguity and you see it come down. Uh, but as I look at it right now, my expectation is that somebody is sitting for the Lakers. I don't really know what I can do with that information for right now. So we can only evaluate it on the surface. And as I do that, you've got AD 10,100 power forward center eligible. You've got LeBron at 10K point guard, small forward. I like them both. I like Anthony Davis a little bit more than I like LeBron James. AD plays slightly more than a, than LeBron. I like the positionality for LeBron. I do think LeBron might be like $200 more expensive than I'd like him to be in this spot. So I lean AD over LeBron. But the moral of the story is you really like whoever plays because they get a massive bump because the other guy would not be there. That's my expectation. Now, if someone is sitting like $5,200 Rui probably starts to look a little bit better if you can give him some more minutes. It's possible then that we see D'Angelo Russell go back from this like not playing a lot to like 28 minutes. That'll give him a bit of a bump. He's already 7K though, so I don't know how much it matters. Like Reddish and like Austin Reeves is 7,300. You're not really going to get there. I don't think we free up all that much from the Lakers unless... It's Anthony Davis that's out. We've seen Christian Wood come back into the rotation now. Uh, he played like 20 minutes last night, I think. Is that right? 13 minutes. He played 23 minutes with Reddish out a couple nights ago. But he's back in the rotation and Jackson Hayes isn't. If Anthony Davis ends up out, we've got a 5K Christian Wood. Even if you're projecting a 5K Christian Wood to play 22 minutes, we're talking about a guy that's around a fantasy point per minute at 5K. You start to be able to look at him. Then, 
if you're projecting him even more like a starter and you can get him to like 24, that's when you start to feel a little bit better. But he's not going to become overwhelming value because he's only been like a fantasy point per minute guy for this team. But in 24 minutes, you know, you're 4.8x on a five gamer. We can handle that. Not much else to like for the Lakers here. On the Pelican side, now they had a very interesting most recent rotation. They also have a Q tag on Trey Murphy. Cody Zeller is available. Matt Ryan's still out. But the most recent game was really weird when it comes to their center rotation. And I think that's the piece that we need to touch on right now. So on the 28th, so three days ago, maybe that's not the right date. No, three days ago, they took on Utah. Joe Val played basically a six-minute stretch at the beginning of the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter. They did the same thing for Larry Nance in reverse. These guys split 48 minutes at center their last time out. We have not been seeing that sort of rotation out of Larry Nance this season. Now we do. I don't know what their plan is moving forward. Are they trying to ramp up Larry Nance again? Which I think they should be. I, Larry Nance is a better option for the Pelicans than Joe Val is. I went 26 minutes to Joe Val and 20 to Larry Nance. I don't want to overreact to the first time we see this rotation, but we need to be very aware that they probably want Larry Nance closing if they can. Larry Nance is 3,900 at center today. Uh, could be an interesting option if you think he's going to get 24 minutes again. But again, at 20, solid enough value play. If we're looking at the rest of the Pelicans, it's Ingram, it's McCollum, and it's Zion. We've got Zion, 7,800 power forward only, 6,900 for CJ point guard only, and then 7,900 for BI shooting guard small forward. Revenge narrative for Brandon Ingram, who knows? If you're asking me to choose between the three, I think it's CJ first, Ingram second, Zion third. I don't have a great feel between the three. I do think all three of them look pretty good. Um, the CJ price being 6,900, I think is the most appealing piece for me. His minutes have been trending up. Ingram having shooting guard small forward is the piece that gives me a little bit of a lean over Zion. After that, if you want to go to like a Herb Jones value option, I think that's okay. I don't really think you're going to anybody else from the Pelicans. No overwhelming priorities either. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Second game of the night is going to be the Brooklyn Nets. Eight-point underdogs in Oklahoma City, 237 total. For Brooklyn, not too much to say here. Claxton is probable. Everybody that's normally available is available. We saw Cam Thomas be removed from the starting lineup last time out. Uh, they went to Dorian Finney-Smith. That makes sense. They shouldn't play Cam Thomas that much. He's really bad. 
Don't care what anybody else says. He's an inefficient shot creator and plays poor defense. Uh, they should trade him, honestly, if there's another team that thinks he would be good. If you're going to anybody from Brooklyn, it's absolutely Mikel Bridges. Uh, 7,400, small forward, power forward, eligible, around a fantasy point per minute guy. And with no Cam Thomas in the starting lineup, that's more shots for Mikel Bridges to take. Uh, when you swap out a 30% usage Cam Thomas for a whatever usage Dorian Finney-Smith, call it 14 uh, that's a massive, massive, massive change for Bridges. There's so many more possessions that could end with him taking that shot. That makes me lean towards Bridges. My second best option here for Brooklyn is probably Cam Johnson. $5,900 power forward option. Uh, if we do get a Laker out, that probably gets a little bit murkier for Cam Johnson. But at this point, they are the two guys that I have my eye on. It's also a terrible spot. While Oklahoma City does play relatively quick, they are a high-level offense. And... I think they're like, I, I don't want a ton of Brooklyn. I don't think Brooklyn's very good. Maybe the Cam Thomas to the bench thing will help them a bit, but there are not a lot of like, you're not going to get a lot of volume out of the Brooklyn Nets today. Uh, that's not how you type in OKC apparently. For the Thunder, it's the same thing that we always get. They're going to play a shit ton of dudes. There's only like four guys that you can really play. It's Shea, it's Dort. It's Giddy, it's Jalen Williams, and it's Chet. You're not going to anybody else here with any sort of happiness or confidence. I think the guy that looks the best is certainly Shea. 10,300, point guard only. Uh, you know, we're talking about a guy that's at 1.6 DraftKings points per minute over the past 30 days. I like the matchup. I like every bit of it. If you can afford to get to Shea Gilgis-Alexander, please do so. That said, I also like Chet, but center only. You know we're going to have a lot of center options. 7,600, 1.32 fantasy points per minute for Chet over the past month. Fantastic for that price tag. You won't feel bad about going to him at all. Whether it's Jalen Williams or Josh Giddy or Lou Dort, there is value to be had across the board for these guys. You're happy to get them into any lineups you have. Their implied total of 122 stands out on this slate. So if you're playing a Thunder guy, in, in volume, you want it to be one of the starters. But I don't think either... I don't think any of these guys are going to be... Like, Shea being point guard only, Chet being center only. It's just a little bit more limiting for their two best options. Two down, three to go. Boston Celtics, 13.5 point favorites in San Antonio, 240 total. Boston has a Q tag on Drew Holiday. The rest of the real dudes are all available. Uh, this is clearly a, a ridiculous matchup. I mean, three, 13 and a half point favorites in San Antonio. It's you're only going to White Brown, Tatum, Holiday, Porzingis if they're in. That's that is it. That's the only way to do this. I like Tatum the most at 9,800, small forward, power forward. Any one of those guys you pick is fine. Spurs are 25th. In defensive rating, second in pace. This is as good of a spot as you're going to get for Boston. Love the idea of getting one of those guys in most of the things I do. Don't really have a preference which one it is. Jalen Brown is probably last for me. I like the position, but 8700 is sort of like his ceiling price for what when everybody is in. I think I would rank them Tatum, Porzingis, 
holiday white brown, but that is very loose. I, I wouldn't go mad. I wouldn't be mad having any one of those guys. I like Porzingi. Uh, I like Tingus Pingus at 8K power forward center. But if you can get a $9,800 Tatum in this spot, it's going to feel good. Be aware. This feels like a spot where there could be a blowout. But remember, the blowout could happen just because the Celtics defense is second in basketball and the Spurs defense or offense is dead last. Boston can blow them out by just having an average day and the Spurs can only score like 80 points. That's not a great reason to get to Boston. The San Antonio side. I don't know how I did what I just did. Okay, there we go. The San Antonio side. Tricky once again. So Zach Collins is out today with a right ankle sprain. Dominic Barlow is questionable. I don't think they're doing this. But. What do we do with Victor Wembanyama when the other center is hurt? Do they play him 30 minutes? I don't think so. I only went 26. He's an $8,500 power forward center scoring 1.7 fantasy points per minute over the past 30 days. For reference, 1.7 is the same way that I project Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid on normal days. That's also better than I project Luka Doncic on more than those days. But if they ever wanted to just be like, well, we don't want to play him a lot of minutes, but today we have to because the other center is out. You see how the path to more minutes exists. Otherwise, you've probably got Mamukulishvili soaking up some back out run. 4K center, probably not using it on a day like today. If you can get to Wemby, if he's low owned, I love Wemby as a tournament flyer for that like 5% chance that he gets more minutes. I doubt that it happens, but it could. For the rest of San Antonio, I don't really know what you do here. Like Keldon Johnson, 7,100 off the bench, scares the shit out of me. Devin Vassell, 7,200 starting, I guess is better. This is a terrible matchup. Number two defense, 27th in pace. The best scenario for you here is to not play the Spurs. But I like the idea of an un if he is unowned, taking a flyer on Wemby if you need to. I mean, maybe he goes out there and scores 2.5 fantasy points per minute again. I doubt that. So, John, Wemby can put up 60 in 26 minutes. However, I feel like that's way less likely to happen when it's not Boston. Give me one second. I just got a DM from Adam. And I assume that's a football DM. And now he's making me think that I want to do something. Okay, if that contest exists... I don't know what it is. Is that an NBA contest? Not a contest. Well, I didn't do... Adam entered something that I was going to enter, but I'm not going to enter now because I think it's already filled. Actually, I guess I could just message him. Yeah, we won't do that. Okay, two more games to go. Sacramento Kings, one-point dogs in Memphis, 235 total. Kings, uh, same team that they always are. At this point, 
Uh, we've got a Q tag on Kevin Herter, which I guess makes you like Monk a little bit more if he ends up out. The first two guys that you're looking for, though, are $9,400 De'Aaron Fox and $9,500 DeMontis Sabonis. They're both at like 1.45 fantasy points per minute on the year. Or, or excuse me, on, in the previous month. And they both look really nice. They just don't look like standout options. And this Memphis defense is good, especially now with Marcus Smart back. They were already eighth with the trash that they've had for most of the year. Uh, they're only going to get better now with Marcus Smart being out there. But Fox and Sabonis, Keegan Murray at 6,200 is fine. Uh, there's not much else that I would want to do here from the Kings. So if you can get to Fox and Sabonis, great. But I don't think you're really going to like Harrison Barnes or Trey. Like Trey Lyles is all right for value on a five-gamer. Not going to be happy about it. Alex Len is back to being the backup center. They bounce between Davion Mitchell and Keon Ellis every day, so you never feel great there. So focus on Fox and Sabonis. The non-Fox Sabonis best play from Sacramento is going to be Keegan Murray. Now for Memphis, they're a pain in the ass. Uh, Luke Kennard, questionable. John Conchar, questionable. Derek Rose, questionable. But the big piece here for me, uh, the last time that Memphis played which was, was was it this game? Nope, it wasn't this one. Where is this most recent Memphis rotation? Because we need to talk through it. Okay, so Clippers on the 29th. Bismack Biombo started. He played a full rotation in the first quarter. They used Xavier Tillman behind him as the backup center. And then they started the second half with Tillman and didn't play Biombo at all. And I don't believe that was an injury. Although, chat, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember seeing that. Now, they didn't close with Tillman. They actually closed with Santi Aldama, which is a bigger question mark, too. They can close with anybody because Jaron Jackson can play the four or the five. But I'm less confident in Bismack Biombo's minutes now. He's only 3,900. If he's still starting... Maybe roll the dice. Tillman's 4,400. If he's starting, interesting enough. But what you really want from Memphis is Desmond Bain, John Morant, Jaron Jackson. In particular, I think $9,600 John Morant probably looks a little bit better than Fox on the opposite side. Mostly because Memphis gets to face Sacramento. Number 22 defense, middle of the pack in pace. I think Ja gets out and runs here and it looks pretty good. So And he's playing 36 minutes a night. Very appealing. If you want to get to an $8,400 Desmond Bain shooting guard small forward, I think that is very realistic. Uh, keep an eye on the ownership between Bain and Brandon Ingram. I think that dynamic is interesting for guys that are shooting guard small forward. And then, as always, you can permanently go to $7,200 power forward center Jaron Jackson because he's the type of guy that can go out there and block like six shots. They are the three priorities. If you're going to anybody else, I think it's Smart and Aldama. 5,800 for Smart, point guard, shooting guard eligible. Aldama is 4,200 power forward center. But if they're willing to put him out there for a couple minutes in a closing rotation, you don't totally know how many more he can pick up. I only went 21. I think that's a reasonable power forward center value. Make sure you're watching the dynamic between Santi Aldama and Trey Lyles. Those two guys are comparable power forward center cheap type dudes. But... We really want to know who the starting center is for the Grizzlies. I think that makes things more complicated depending on whether it's Biombo or Xavier Tillman. All right, 85 people in the door here for this show. Make sure you're hitting that like button. Reminder, 
NFL show coming up at 10 o'clock. Three straight hours of NFL coverage. Do not want to miss it. We are now going to close this bad boy out. Orlando Magic. John Prince, you're crazy. Six-point dogs in Phoenix. 230 total. For Orlando. Very difficult to talk about right now. Because Wendell Carter Jr. is questionable. Markel Fultz is questionable. Gary Harris is questionable. And John Isaac is questionable. I can very confidently say $7,700 small forward Franz Wagner and $8,300 power forward Paolo Bancaro are the obvious running away best options from the Magic here. Phoenix defense is 19th. Not great. Franz and Paolo are playing 36 minutes a night. That looks great. They're both like 1.1 to 1.2 fantasy point per minute, guys. They are the overwhelming best players from Orlando. If everybody's in, you are probably not going to anybody else from the Magic. If everybody's out, then you probably find a little bit of value somewhere. If Wendell Carter Jr. is out, then going to a Goga Batadze at 5,500 is probably fine. Like, he doesn't look as good as he did Friday night, but he certainly looks good here. Good enough here on a five-gamer. Toasted Biscuits, what's up? But the overwhelming priority for Orlando is Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro. On the Phoenix end, Josh Akogi probable, Nas Little out. Uh, not much here. $9,300 Devin Booker, though, I think is pretty interesting. Point guard, shooting guard. 1.26 fantasy points per minute over the last 30 days, playing 37 minutes a night. Tough defensive matchup against Orlando. Maybe it looks better if people are out. $9,700 KD, power forward only. I have no problem going there. He's playing 38 minutes a night and maybe is the new pseudo point guard for this team. Nurk is okay, but probably a little overpriced. Bradley Beal at 6,100 is okay, but 0.84 fantasy points per minute in the past 30 days. He doesn't play much. Scares the shit out of me. I think it's Booker and it's Durant, and that's about it. Gordon and Allen can both be worked into lineups. I just don't know how confident you're going to be for it. I think what we really need to do right now is get an idea of what the optimal lineup looks like and who the best plays are for the slate. So we are going to do that now. Let's check it out. So I'm going to share a little bit of Fantasy Cruncher. And I'm going to grab my DraftKings projections for right now. And we can go ahead and find out what we got. Hit that like button if you haven't done it yet. These are... The DraftKings Optimals for myself at 9.09 a.m. on a day where no one probably cares about the NBA. Optimal lineup, 254.7. Two-tenths of a point better than the second lineup. C.J. McCollum, Marcus Smart, Lou Dort, Santi Aldama, Larry Nance, John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and Chet Holmgren. Very interesting balance there. A lot of Grizz, a lot of Thunder. Case and Wallace showed up in 40%. CJ McCollum and Santi Aldama were both in 92% of the 50 I generated. 
Dort and Triple J are in the 80s. Chet, Herb Jones in the 60s, and SGA in the 50s. I expect this to be incredibly flat. I don't think we have enough value on this slate to really create anything, and we're going to get a lot of gross at the top. In terms of getting to pay-up options, seems like the easiest one to get to really is SGA, 10-3 point guard. He's the most expensive guy on the slate, but he's probably the best per-minute dude that isn't Wemby. I think AD, LeBron, Tatum all look very similar. One of AD or LeBron will really jump off the page if the other guy is out. I think Sabonis and Fox are both pretty easy to get to in that 9K range as well. But Aldama, Dort, Wallace, Herb Jones, the only guys in the 30% range. This is ultra, ultra flat. We have no value on this slate to be confident in. Confident in. Like, Case and Wallace showing up a lot, that lets you know how difficult this slate is. We are ultra balanced for right now. We need value before the end of the day. Let's check out FanDuel, and then let's get out of here. Final time before we get to the new year. All right. Uh, I accidentally can't find the projections. There we go. Let's see what this looks like on FanDuel. For FanDuel, the optimal lineup to start the day. 279.59 is the optimal by 0.34. John ja Morant, Malik Monk, Lou Dort, Malachi Branham, Franz Wagner, Herb Jones, Jason Tatum, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nick Claxton. Uh, Monk was in all 50 lineups. Lou Dort was in 80%. Claxton, Morant, Jones, Wagner, and Branham were all in the 70s. And then finally, with a little bit of randomness turned on, what do we end up seeing? Ah. All right. Yeah, very, very flat on FanDuel as well. Dort Monk Herb Jones just in the light low 30s. Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, Malachi Branham, Sante Aldama, and Harrison Barnes in the low 20s. Just difficult to get to these guys. Very flat. All of the payup options are basically the same, except for Durant, which is weird. But Shea, AD, LeBron, Fox, Morant, Booker, all like just choose your own adventure books. You can go any direction you want. It all kind of looks the same. Tough day. We've got a really, really tough slate today, um, which could be good. I will not be able to play it. This locks at seven tonight, I believe. Going out to dinner with the wife. I think our reservations are at 530. So no NBA slate for me. I will get back to the NBA tomorrow. Just bright and early starting off the new year, but not bright and early at 630 because there's absolutely no way that I'm waking up at five o'clock in the morning for the process tomorrow. So that's what we've got for today, guys. Happy new year to everybody. Round in the year in the best possible way. Let's start off 2024 on a high note. 
I'm going to go pump out two contenders videos for you guys. That's going to be up on the channel within the next hour. But don't forget, NFL starting at 10 o'clock on this channel. Three straight hours of NFL coverage. You do not want to miss it. Lafayette and Ben, best in the industry. Best show you could possibly watch. Love you guys. I hope you had a fantastic 2023. I know I did. I love doing this show. You guys are the best part of it. So thank you guys for joining me. For one final time in 2023, this was the process.